you remember the show Fear Factor? I get a cold shiver just picturing someone in a clear box, goggles on, and dumping a bunch of worms or spiders on them. Then, of course, there was the eating challenges, throwing something slimy or a creepy crawler into your mouth and swallowing as fast as you could. Well, I can't help but think back to those shows as we think about today's topic. The difference, this isn't supposed to be creepy or slimy or gross. I'm still not sure I'm convinced, but maybe they'll get to you. I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Food Bubble. Today's question, will insects be the next food craze? That's right, ants, caterpillars, crickets, crickets slash, slash grasshoppers, and then you've got the odd beetle grubs or even tarantulas are <laughs> considered delicacy in some countries. I've not tried one yet myself, to be honest. And before you shut this off out of creepiness, would it help to know which bug tastes like citrus or which one you'd want to top a salad with if you're looking for an apple flavor? Well, whether or not this is what you have in mind, it's a fascinating conversation to figure out just where the future lies with eating insects. President's Choice is offering cricket grounds from a farm in Peterborough as a new source of protein to mix into everything else you might eat. So don't bugger off on us just yet. Even if you aren't looking for recipes, you'll want to know just where this business is going. Trillium Mutual Insurance is your ag insurer of choice in Ontario. They're farm insurance professionals who specialize in and understand Ontario agriculture, providing insurance solutions that are the best in the industry. We all know that insurance can be complicated, but does it have to be? Their real Ontario farm insurance brokers make it simple for you, providing the coverage you deserve. To find a broker partner near you, please visit their website, trilliummutual.com, and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Trillium Mutual. Who really cares about what you eat? You do. And these 200 plus food experts. Bestfoodfacts.org connects you with leading university experts on food and farming in North America. With over 500 questions answered and new content weekly, it's a dependable source available across all social channels. Get the details you want from credible people who've dedicated their entire careers to the study of food. You care about what you eat, so take time to digest the facts. Visit bestfoodfacts.org today. A few weeks ago, there was a special event at the Butterfly Conservatory near Cambridge, Ontario. Usually, this place makes for a quiet afternoon in a forest-like greenhouse with a whole bunch of colourful butterflies floating through the air around you, but this special weekend was a bit unique. We have been doing Bug Feast since, almost since we opened in 2001, so I will say it started even before my time here with the conservatory. It it mostly started as just a perhaps a bit more of a, a gimmicky event, shall we say, like just something really out there and fun and different for families to come try. Um, but slowly and surely, it has morphed into, I would say, a more kind of serious event. I mean, it's still lots of fun. We get members and families that come every year because it's a tradition for them now. But ever since the United Nations published that report in 2013, um, that was all advocating um, edible insects as a way to perhaps feed our growing world population. Um, it's just lent a more serious spin to it. So we're getting more uh, people coming in that are actually asking 
questions like, is this really something that we could eat all the time? Like, why would I want to? Where can I get it kind of thing? So we're very happy to be educating people on that and kind of fostering the idea that eating insects is not really weird. (laughs) Bug feast. And not feasting on the butterflies they have around there, but a look at what else might be worth testing out. But I'm getting ahead of myself. My name is Andalyn Toffelmeyer. I'm the conservatory manager and naturalist at Cambridge Butterfly Conservatory. So Andalyn, skeptical is putting it mildly for me when we talk about insects. I'm actually glad we're doing this over the phone because I'm a bit afraid you'd make me try one, but this ick factor that comes with eating insects is actually more of a Western factor than other parts of the world. I mean, most of the world, except for North America, eats insects on a regular basis. It's totally normal and kosher, and they taste great. I mean, we can talk more about that later, but bugs are awesome, um, and they're good for you. And then somehow just North America kind of fell out of it, and we, you know, we tend to view things pretty cleanly so bugs are kind of viewed as gross and we don't want to eat them but that is changing um when it comes though to kind of mass production of insect um of edible insects for humans to eat that is what is really changing though and it's morphing and it's still in the the baby stages shall we say so that hasn't really been figured out yet because um We are farming some insects in North America, and it's going well, but we haven't really quite figured out how to do it enough to feed the world, if it came down to that, and also how to make it mainstream for everybody. That farmed insects that is going well is actually the job for Jared. My name is Jared Golden, and uh, I'm president of Entomo Farms. Let's start where you started, Jared. With your first 5,000 square foot space near Campbellford in 2014, What the heck were you thinking getting into this business? That is almost verbatim the exact same question my mother asked us um, about four, almost five years ago. Um, Basically, in 2013, the United Nations and the Food and Agriculture Organization put out a white paper, a couple hundred pages, and the title was Edible Insects, Future Prospects for Food and Feed Security. And at that time, my brothers were raising insects and, and reptiles as feed for the bait trade and, and the pet food, uh, you know, uh, reptile trade. And I always thought it would be wonderful to do something with them in business one day. My background is in chiropractic and chiropractic education at the chiropractic college. Around the same time, there was a gentleman on Shark Tank pitching a product made with cricket powder. And I said to my brothers, you know, it's seems like three ducks, or in this case, perhaps three crickets were all aligned. There was the FAO in the United Nations saying that this has to be a future prospect for food and feed security. You have a gentleman on Shark Tank pitching a product, a protein bar made with cricket powder, and Mark Cuban ended up investing in his product. And you guys know how to raise these insects. So why don't we try raise some money and see if we can start what was North America's first human-grade insect farm? So we were fortunate enough to have somebody believe in the long-term prospects of the idea and gave us a small investment. And we started with a small, humble 5,000 square foot farm in Campbellford. And, um, you know, our current facilities don't resemble or look anything like that first one. We've done, you know, there's been a lot of advancements in in how it's all set up. But currently we're at 60,000 square feet, three 20,000 square foot barns. They're retrofit chicken barns. And um, with some more square footage hedged as we grow, 
And, uh, you know, essentially we've never looked back. Maybe we can start with what those barns look like. How do you go about raising crickets? So they are basically um, like to burrow, right? So they like to hide. So there are companies that make things called cricket condos. They're very similar to the inserts that go into a box if you were to buy a few bottles of wine from the liquor store. And they basically provide surface area. And we, we line those up on the floor, if you will. There's water lines, there's feeding trays, and it's very, very simple um, kind of in, in the way it looks and the way it's set up. The secret is in, in, the, in the environmental controls and the feed inputs and um, how, you, how you create the eggs and um, how you raise the hatchlings into adults. Going back to your initial facility, Jared, how did you actually get going into moving some of this cricket powder? Yeah, great question. You know, they say or we've read that the fastest growing food consumer segment is the low half consumer. And that stands for lifestyles of health and sustainability. So I think there is a massive pent up demand for food products that are healthy and sustainable. And it just so happens that this ingredient to this product ticks at least those two boxes. So once we started, you know, essentially putting it in powder form where people didn't have to see the cricket or the ick factor was largely mitigated and, and people could bake with it and cook with it or use it in a smoothie instead of whey protein or other kinds of protein, maybe put it in a soup or, or you know, all kinds of creative ways of, of infusing it as an ingredient into food you already make and love, just adding a real nutritional pop. Um, I think that pent-up demand was there. So as we had a small platform and a small online retail uh, store, we started to distribute. And then when the word got out, you know, the, the people call us all the time, who's the public relations firm we're working with because we get so much media and I tell them it's nobody, it's us, it's all inbound. It's often hard for companies to believe. So we were very lucky. We were just in the right place at the right time with the product that was extremely sexy and fun and exciting and interesting. And of course, it's absolutely yummy and delicious on its own or infused into, into recipes you are already familiar with. Two words stick out of that conversation, Jared. Ick factor you mentioned and then sexy product. Is it simply about drying and grinding to move from ick to sexy? Or how do you actually get consumers to start thinking about that? You know, much like sushi, I think so many of us started with the California roll and then moved on to a salmon roll and now maybe far more adventurous in the kinds of raw fish or, or Japanese food that we eat. So it's the same kind of evolution. You may start with the powder and a cookie, and before you know it, you're sprinkling whole roasted insects on your salad because they're far healthier than a hyper-processed crouton. Okay, fair enough. We talked about gradually developing food tastes with Bob Holmes, a scientific writer and author of the book Flavor, the Science of Our Most Neglected Sense in episode four, where we talked about having you try things over and over to get a sense that you might actually like it. The leading researcher who studies children's developing food tastes says, just keep feeding them. You know, if you you want your kid to have, you know, to eventually have a... a wide diet, you know, lots of things that they like to eat. Uh, the main thing is continued exposure and having the parent eat the things. So the parent is modeling. If the parent is picky, 
probably the kid's going to be picky too. If the parent obviously is enjoying lots of different things and the kid keeps trying them, you know, the, uh, she says it takes often 10 or 12 exposures to a new food before a kid starts to tolerate them. So then if I'm going to take testing these out over and over, the question for Andolin is which insects are the most popular ones to start with? In the world, there are actually almost 2,000 types of insects that are currently listed as safe and edible and tasty. Um, but there are certainly some that are more popular than others. I would say kind of the top five in the world would be ants, caterpillars, crickets slash grasshoppers, um, and then you've got the odd beetle grubs or even tarantulas are <laughs> considered delicacy in some countries. I've not tried one yet myself, to be honest. But in North America, however, the top two consumed ones are crickets and mealworms, which are a, um, a larva. So what do a lot of these taste like, assuming you've tried quite a few of them? I've tried some of them, not as many as I would like. I like to think of myself as a bit of an adventurous person. I'll try anything at least once. I won't promise I'll eat it again, <laughs> but I'll try it. But some insects like stink bugs, which I wouldn't have even maybe thought were edible, but apparently some are, and they taste like apples. Some ants taste rather citrusy because of the, um, the citric acid they have in their body for defense. So that's so some insects do have different flavors, which is kind of fun. Um, roasted crickets, which is one we serve up a lot of the time, um, without any seasoning or add-ons, they have an almost nutty flavor. A lot of people will uh, compare them to a roasted sunflower seed or even a roasted chickpea is what someone last week described it as. Um, so maybe that paints a bit of a picture as to what they taste like. Toasted sunflowers and apples don't really come to mind for me. So how do you and what you do with Bug Feast, how do you get people past that ick factor? That is the biggest challenge. And even some people I'll just try to explain, you know what, if I hadn't told you there was an insect in here, like you probably would have eaten it and you would have said it tasted just fine. So it's, it is mostly a mental block for people coming in. Um, just because, yeah, in North America, we don't think of insects as food. And sadly, I think a lot of people uh, view insects as, as gross and dirty, which is not always true. So you have to get past that stigma. I guess you could definitely call it um, first and then if we we're pretty good at encouraging people to try eating the bugs now and literally like 10 times out of 10 everybody who tries one will say oh that tasted really good or that was like that tasted totally fine way better than I thought it would and then once we get people to try them then they're like oh okay maybe this isn't such a weird thing anymore and then they're more open to trying more things. <laughs> Now, this isn't just about eating because they are something new to try. The conversation really is about them being healthy. So what are the nutritional benefits? They are high in protein. I think that's one of the first things people ask. But beyond protein, they um, are high in a ton of good nutrients, um, especially kind of some hard-to-find ones like thiamine and riboflavin. Uh, crickets are exceedingly high in vitamin B12 as well, which is one that's a little harder to find in nature from what I understand anyway. Um, crickets can be as high as dairy and calcium. So especially for people who have a dairy intolerance, that could be a way they um, get that nutrient in their body. They have all the essential amino acids we need um, and iron and a whole bunch. I could kind of go on and on, but <laughs> those are some of the top ones. 
Okay, so we're at the wrong time of year for this, but say, Andolin, I wanted to try roasting a cricket. Is it as easy as finding a few in the garden and putting them in the oven? Although, as I say that now, actually, I see that going badly. So the better question, I guess, is how do you roast cricket? Let's start there. Yeah, well, you do first have to render them um, non-living because otherwise they're probably not going to sit still. Um, so usually uh, you can freeze them. That's at the moment considered one of the most humane ways to kill them. Um, and then you can you can keep them in the freezer indefinitely. And then when you're ready to eat them, you just pull them out, thaw them, and then spread them out on a pan and roast them in the oven. Um, so it's pretty easy prep-wise. Well, I can be honest, this isn't going to be my style. If there is any chance of me testing these out ever, it's likely going to come from Jared and the farm he has with his brothers. The question now, I think, is where is this going? Jared, you said earlier you were the only game in town when you started this five years ago. Are you still the only one? No, it's definitely growing. You know, someone uh, once passed me an article on the car industry and when Ford invented the combustion engine apparently there were like 5,000 registered car companies the next year because everybody and his brother was going to start a car company in the garage so because of the press and the hype around this we get you know I'd say a dozen calls emails a week um, from people in Canada and all over the world who want to who are entrepreneurial see the excitement see the potential and want to start insect farms and then on the other side, we see a lot of young entrepreneurs that want to start consumer packaged good products. So they're making chips or protein bars or crackers. Um, again, for sure in Canada, but, but all over the world, really. At what point do you see this commonplace? Are we just a few years out from that or is this going to take a lot of time? Yeah, another great question. And I think it depends on how you look at it. You know, we do sell our powder to Loblaws and Loblaws under their amazing, innovative President's Choice brand has our product um, beautifully packaged in a, in a President's Choice um, bag, not only in all the Loblaws across Canada, but now all the shop, shoppers drug marts. So I would argue that we're there. It's already a normal, common product. Any Canadian can walk into a Loblaw Supercenter or Shoppers Drug Mart, buy our powder and go home and bake with it or cook with it or add it to a smoothie. That was massive validation for us and massive validation for the category. And um, it was coupled with Maple Leaf Foods making an investment in our company early last year. And we're very excited by, by their team helping us to, to you know, do this right and integrate the product properly into, you know, more global food systems. And while there probably is an argument to be made that if there is a PC brand on it, it must be mainstream, but I'm just not there yet. And for Andolin, they may be able to get 11,000 people to visit Bug Feast in a weekend. So there is potential, but don't you think we've got a long ways to go? Yeah, I, I do still think we have a bit of a long road. It is starting to change, even within the last five years, it's rather encouraging to see how much it has come along. But yeah, a, a lot of the people, even in Bug Feast, when they come, if they try it, it's not like they're going to start introducing insects to their diet all the time. So it still is a little bit in the future, I would say, for the average North American to really adopt it. But we, we have been seeing a few more people over the last few years that will take a bag of cricket powder home and try some different recipes with it and at least they're kind of open to the idea 
of trying it more. So whether it's a bag of cricket powder in your future or not, or those roasted crickets on your salad instead of a crouton, you can bet this industry is skyrocketing. Jared and Entomo Farms say they have 100 million crickets on their farm at any one time, processing them after their six-week life cycle. So in a tight turnaround on this farm, that could be eight cycles through a year, eight times 100 million, well... You can do the math there. It's a lot of crickets to fit into the newest food group, insects. Want to know more about where your food comes from in Canada? Farmfood360.ca gives you a 360-degree view of Canadian agriculture. There are dozens of videos featuring real Canadian farmers answering your questions about food, farming, and how it's all connected. You can even take virtual tours and see exactly what it's like to live and work on different Canadian farms. To learn more about Canadian agriculture, visit farmfood360.ca. This episode of Food Bubble was produced by Ashley Ferrero. We put it together here at Fresh Air Media and are excited about the episodes we've got coming to you over the next few weeks. That includes a farmer's journey to Kenya to help other farmers build a better future for themselves, along with why we get so judgmental about other people's foods, that or we worry what other people think we're eating. It's a big conversation about the idea of food morality. And on top of that, how the stereotypical farmer is changing fast, and I've got a clue for you, it's not a he. Those are all episodes coming up in the next few weeks on Food Bubble. If you've got an issue or question to do with anything about food, we'd love to try to tackle it. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all with the handle Fresh Air Farmer. And of course, if you hear an episode you thought was interesting, we'd really appreciate it if you'd pass it on to a friend. Our audience is growing fast, but your help will make it go even faster. So thanks in advance. I'm Andrew Campbell. We'll talk food again next week.